Hello and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. Uh, we're back once again with another show, uh, and this time we're doing another B-Sides episode, the B-Sides Part 2 or Volume 2, whatever you want to call it. So we're going to go into more favourite um, B-Sides songs, some of them on, on the hits disc, some of them not. Uh, it's going to get very interesting as always, and let's start with uh, some introductions. Welcome everyone to the conversation start with player echo echo <laughs> captain what you talk about slow-mo and toe jam <laughs> can you hear me can you hear me <laughs> <laughs> we can hear you loud and clear all right good everyone's coming through um it's great to have everyone back together again uh, and ready for uh, another great peach and black podcast episode so um Look, there's not too much to go uh, to, to get into before we get into the to the tracks. Uh, hopefully, everyone's listened to our first edition, uh, volume one of, of, of our B sides episodes. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed that. We certainly put a lot of thought and uh, into our you know song selections and all that kind of stuff. So um, uh, yeah, I hope everyone had a you know fun time listening to it. And if you got any comments um, or even um, some of your own favourite B-sides, etc. Get onto the forums, uh, leave us a note. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys and, uh, you know, uh, share the love. So get onto the Peach and Black podcast forums mm. and um, let us know, send us questions, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll end up using them in future episodes. So um, without further ado, let's go into the first track. And uh, I'll start off with the first one, um, which is Hello, the, the song that... The what? <laughs> hello, you tricked how me there. Um, hello, hello, hello. Starts off. Uh, P- I know. <laughs> hello. Starts off the uh, B sides disc, um, and it's tonight's first track. I have to say that this is an absolute funk jam, and I'm just using some really basic words there to describe it because it, that, that's basically what it is. It's a funky jam of a song. Um, and there's a there's a lot going on here. I guess in the background is the only way I can describe it. But the the groove pretty much once it's locked in um, doesn't doesn't alter very heavily. But I, I like this I like the song and I like what he's what he's saying because he's obviously it's uh, he's commenting about I believe uh, an incident with some paparazzi around the eighty four eighty five period. Um, yeah. You know, the camera tried to get in my bed. Lyrics and all that kind of stuff is really cool, um, and it's it's Zappa esque slightly to me. Um, I always kind of um, I'm a massive Frank Zappa fan, and I think this this and a few other songs were as close as he got to that kind of uh, a sarcastic screwball uh, type music um, that that Zappa's famous for for. And you know, a lot of cool funky instrumentation stuff happening. Um, funky guitars all over the place. The the um, the nice um, bass that's been laid down and sequenced really nicely into it. It's, it's just it's just a great track. Um, there's not too much more I got to say on it. Uh, you know, give it around to everyone else. So, um, Captain, have you got thoughts on Hello? I do. I have thoughts, <laughs> which will translate to words. Uh, <laughs> if you say eventually, this, eventually, if, eventually, uh, this song. Hello, and you've got to hear the extended version as well. Mm-hmm. It's just such a hard groove in this song. Like, just the the bass and the drums, it it just kicks your ass. 
which I didn't really notice until I really listened to the song. I mean, I've heard it loads of times before, but listening to it, seriously listening to it, it's a really hard groove, and it's 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 good stuff. And you've got this harpsichord sounding thing here and there. It adds to the the revolution sound. Funniest thing in this song is at near the end in the extended version, which you need to get. Um, so he's going on about you should walk in my shoes, but my shoes are so high you probably fall off and die. That's just classic. I, every time I hear that, I just laugh and go, "You idiot!" It's just so funny. <laughs> every time I hear it, I just, "Oh, what are you doing?" But um, it's a good song. Even and right near the start, and he's saying, you know, the the camera tried to take, but getting my bed or something. It's like, "Hey, Prince, come on, give us a smile, eh?" It's just this dumb English accent he does, and it's so hilarious. Every time I hear that, I laugh my head off. Hmm. But yeah, that's about it. That's about it. All right. Get the extended version. <laughs> uh, player? Well, when I hear this song, it just reminds me of... Like, I have a, a vision in my head of when Prince used to do those rehearsals in, like, a basement or a garage, just where, like, the revolution just thrashed out. Hmm. And... um. You know, this has got to do with the um, we are the world and, and, and not participating in that and, you know, big cheek Hunsbury and, and bodyguards, you know, beating up paparazzi and stuff. And this is just like a like an answer as to why that whole situation happened because, you know, Prince got a lot of bad press, like the reaction from the paparazzi translated into bad press for him. So this song just sort of was an answer to that. And this is really how he expresses himself is through music and through songs, so... You know, it's not like a song that... I guess you can sing along to it, but it's not that type of song. It's more like a message of him trying to explain what happened and why he didn't do things, and so... It's an interesting song. I was just going to say, on that note, you bring up an interesting point, and he doesn't do it often, but P-Funk instantly comes to mind as another song where he he uses it to, to send a message out to people. Yeah. And this is one of those. It's it's kind of a rarity. It doesn't happen very often, but this is one of those one of those tracks. So it is a quite good track. But yeah, that's it. I'll just say, talking about singing along, I always thought the line was um you know where they say uh, our record stands tall. I always thought it was breakfast. I always thought he said our breakfast stands tall, and I always thought, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell is that supposed to mean? Our breakfast stands tall. It's the and stack that, of pancakes. That's what it is. I just, I never, I, every time, because I, I, you sing along, and I always sing breakfast. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Do homeless people need breakfast? I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> Toe Jam. <laughs> Toe Jam's gone. He's gone. No, he's, he's just pretending. He's there. I know he's there. Toe Jam. Hello. Hello. There he is, see? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have to agree with a lot of you guys. It's pretty kick-ass groove in particular. Um very hypnotic and it, it always reminds sounds I kind of get the same thing with player it sounds like it's in that warehouse but it's got like this kind of uh, it's in like a factory kind of thing where you've got this nerd 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 mm. just going through the whole song so it always sounds like it's in this dirty factory warehouse and it, it's got a really cool song uh, cool vibe to it um, I love the bass just that kind of cruel thing again um, and it, you know the lyrics are like we've said pretty rare that he actually uh, references something in his life specifically uh, well, for, for all we know uh, and this one's kind of interesting because he's talking you know at the time everyone was all you know 
uh, we are the world, USA for Africa, all this thing, which was which is good. Don't get me wrong, but it, you know he does kind of raise raise a, a pretty good point as well that you know there was lots of problems in America going on that were were still being ignored, and yet all these pop stars were out there, you know, promoting other countries and stuff. So it's just interesting that he's he's um, got the balls enough to to bring it up, I guess. So uh, give him credit for that. But yeah, just a really cool groove, real dirty kind of groove, interesting lyrics. And a great B-side all around, I think. You know what the other half to that is with the We Are The World? Um, as far as I know, everything that I've read about Prince and the way he records is every time it comes to the vocal, he kicks everyone out and does it on his own, like without yeah. anyone there. And I think doing a vocal on We Are The World, like in a room full of people, like it's just, I don't know if he could... Freaked him out. Yeah, I don't, like, I mean... People have phobias and stuff, and maybe that's he just doesn't feel comfortable like singing in front of like a whole heap of people like that. I mean, it's just like a you know a thing that he may have, hmm. but you yeah, know, well, maybe that's a reason why he didn't do it. So. I read in some interview with him, and he said one one of the reasons he didn't do it was that you know he said paraphrasing, I'm shy. I'd I'd just clam up with all those famous people in the room. Hmm. I you Which know what I, I believe him. Yeah, I believe him. Yeah, yeah. He did send him a song as well to put on the album. So you know, in a lot of ways, he's done yeah. more than what a lot of the people did anyway. So. Mm. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so with "Hello" out of the way, let's go into the second track by our second person in line, which is Toe Jam. Uh, what song have you got? What are you throwing at us? Uh, I've got to stop messing about. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool little B-side, pretty short one, just under three minutes. Um, so this is a controversy B-side, correct? I think it's from work, maybe? It sounds like it. It borders on a dirty mind, between dirty mind and... That's what I was going to say. It sounds to me more like a dirty mind outtake, than, uh, but it's a controversy B-side. But anyway, uh, the guitar riff always sounds like a kind of... I can imagine the Stones playing this this riff. It's just this two-chord... It's really... Keith... Keith Richards playing the three or four chords that he knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's got a really simple um, structure as well, verse, chorus, bridge kind of thing, and uh, it's got that nice hook, that do 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 cool thing. Yeah. Just kind of um, slightly new wave, which is cool. It's kind of demo-ish, which again fits in with the dirty mind kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. There's some interesting lyrics in there. It kind of starts off talking about, like, he's paying out this some girl who's sleeping around but then at the end he's talking about that he wants her too and he's been spending all this time playing with his toy which is a interesting little <laughs> in there uh yeah so it's a cool little cool little rock song worthy of a b-side lots of hooks uh yeah funky little rock song cool cool uh captain yes this was prince's first ever b-side that's right <laughs> oh um, non, non-album track b-side non-album track yeah wow but I'm not, out of all his B-sides ever, this is probably the one I like the least. It's just, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. I, I like the synth stuff. I mean, that, that just shows how good I think this song is when the, the two synth notes in the whole song are the highlight of the song. Hmm. But, um, yeah, it's just a, to me, it's just a throwaway thing. He needed a B-side. He recorded one afternoon. There you go. Hmm. I don't think it was really thought out and planned if it was <laughs> God <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing much to say about that one 
Alright. Player, you agree with Captain or Toe Jam or you got your own thing? Uh, I think it's a pretty cool song. It's, um, you know, it sounds like a porno soundtrack. <laughs> like, this, it just it just sounds like porn music to me. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. And, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it just got this weird vibe about it. It's like it's Devo or like, you know, it sounds like Devo's Whippet or, you know, something like a variation of it, like a, some weird hybrid of some California rock mixed with New Wave. And it's just a, like a strange little song, but, you know, it's it's pretty cool. I think he started performing it in the Dirty Mind Tour or something. Yeah, like he, he added played it, into it, he played it yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a, just a cool, different, you know, being his first, first B-side, it's just cool to hear something different, but it's, you know, it, it wouldn't sit well on Dirty Mind or Controversy, so it's kind of cool that it's, sit, you know, it's in between that. Mm. But, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, okay, uh, I haven't got much more to add, I, but my thoughts on the song are fairly similar to Captain's actually I think it's it's a really out of in the in his B-sides canon if you can call it that this is this is a quite a minor song you know in comparison and in fact I'm not even a fan of the synths I think the synth line is lazy actually um gee that that didn't sound very <laughs> it sounds that sounds a bit harsh you know I'm talking about a great, great musician here, but I think that it just doesn't go anywhere, really. It's it's a kind of mishmash of all sorts of different sounds, and, and I don't think they particularly gel. Um, I actually think the tempo is a bit, uh, maybe that's the effect. Startish, of isn't it? Sorry. It's a bit stop startish, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't flow, and um, I don't know what it is. It does. It does sound not only like it stop starts, but I, I don't know that the tempo of the the, the 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 tempo of the rhythm in the song is a bit out of sync to me with the vocal lines. Uh, it's just yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not particularly impressed by this by this song uh, musically or lyrically. Just a just a minor minor track. I think if this wasn't in falsetto, I'd probably like it a bit more. But it still wouldn't be a great track. But yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty uh, yeah it's uh, all, all of the above basically I don't want to repeat myself too much but I, I do think that the that the synth lines and uh, really it's pretty pretty poor in comparison <laughs> to most of his other work I mean it's almost like imagine. Mario it's almost like Mario Brothers <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I can imagine him doing this song in maybe like two or three hours and hmm. so in that sense it's kind of cool he's like wow this is you know, just like a bit of a jam, you know, muck around kind of song. Mm. So in that sense, it's good. But I agree with you; it's not any anywhere close to being controversy or dirty minds caliber. Yeah. So uh, I think that pretty much closes that one out. You know what uh, would be good if he if he played this live. You know, just say he did a gig next next week and he played this. It'd be different. He wouldn't do it the same. Y- you know, if, I could, could I could imagine. Yeah, I I I agree with you again on that. Um, Funnily yeah. enough, I think that the if if he rocked it up like he did with um, the the rehearsal version of Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, if, mm. if he if he rocked this this mother out, so to speak, that would be that would be cool. I agree. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it'd be like his um, Jehovah's Witness message. You got to stop messing about. He, this yeah. is a perfect song. Got to stop messing about and got to start handing them out. That's right. <laughs> got to stop messing about and get on the boat. Stop <laughs> playing with your toy when you could spread so much joy. 
soon. Yeah. Oh, you you just gave him the new lyrics. You're gonna get a you're gonna get a uh, uh, credit for that. Yeah. Royalty, a royalty check. La- la- yeah. Larry's gonna end up playing bass on this one. I can just feel it. Ah, oh, that'd be sick. That would be. <laughs> okay, so track number three, we're going straight to Captain. And Captain, oh, I don't know what you can do with this with your choice of words here. But what what song are you bringing to the table? <laughs> <laughs> My song is uh, the the B side to the Arms of Orion and Insatiable. Is that right? I think so. Was it Insatiable? I think that's about right. Yeah. I don't know about Insatiable, but it's definitely Arms of Orion, right? Me too. I think it was definitely on two. I think. Mm. And my song is I Love You in Me, which, first of all, that's just weird because that's what the girl would be saying. And he's singing a song from that point of view. That's just weird straight away. But I love this song in my ears. It's good. (laughs) 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 Well, I don't really know what to say, but was that it? (laughs) No, no, there's a song on loads. Uh, Well, I won't stop you now. (laughs) You got the keyboards. um, And that's all there is. There's no drums, anything else. There's no bass. There's just the keyboard and the synth. And this is pretty close to an a cappella track. And uh, even if you don't like this song, this is the great example of Prince's multi-tracking abilities. You know, there's just loads of voices on there. And yeah, I know this song has the line, when she makes love, it's like surgery. I know it's not the best lyric he's ever done, but only Prince could sing that line and make it not sound as totally dumb as someone else might make it sound. But, um, you know, it was the B-side to Arms of Orion, which is a really syrupy track as well. But that made me think, did he record this song especially for that B-side, or if he just had it sitting in the vault and thought that's a good match? Don't know. We'll never know. But, um, yeah, it was B-side of Insatiable as well, which makes me think, you know, you must think this track's okay. He put it, He released it twice, pretty much. Or that could have been Warner's decision. I don't know. But that's that's all I've got to say. Okay. I'll take this off your hands very quickly. Um, I, th- I actually think that this song, in, in, a, in a minor way, almost 10 years earlier, preempts the D'Angelo track, Untitled, How Does It, you know, yeah. how does it, how does it Feel, um, it, in terms of thematic content. Um, so I, I just wanted to stick that in there because um, we know that D'Angelo is a, a massive Bad choice prince. of words sorry no, yeah <laughs> I love you and me I just want to stick that in there that in there yeah well <laughs> there's no getting away from it uh, yeah so you know we know D'Angelo is a massive prince fan and, and um, I just wonder had he, had he heard this song um, and I'm sure he had I reckon uh, before he recorded Untitled and, and uh, by the way a quick shout out to to D'Angelo and that that track is just ridiculously good um, as is this one I think this is a ridiculously good song that falls down in in only one department in the lyrical not delivery but in the lyrical um, content and and Captain you know threw up probably the worst line in that song that the <laughs> surgery reference it's just terrible I always whenever I hear it I just like squirm 
I don't but, know but, why. But it makes it work. Somehow. No, I, d I disagree with you. I don't think he makes that line work. I think no matter who would sing that, the only person, <laughs> actually I'm thinking now, this is quite funny to me anyway, I think that the only person that could make that line work... Would be Frank Zappa. Would be Dr. Fink. <laughs> 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 if he sang that in full, you know, surgeon outfit, <laughs> scrubs, <laughs> that would at least have an element of humour. But here, it is bad lyricism. Uh, and the, yeah, oof, not much more to say about the lyrics there. It's just really not that great. But the but the composition of the song, um, quite interesting. I, I think I think it, I think it actually is a great track, um, minus the lyrics. I think the the singing's great, and it really references Prince's uh, knowledge to a degree of gospel music. And his harmonic work—it's—it's uh, it's outstanding on that level, uh, and I think that carries the tune. The the tune of the song carries the tune pretty much. It's it's uh, it's quite well done. It's it's simple in its in its uh, approach, but it's meticulously crafted in its um in its execution. Uh, so I think it's brilliant there. I don't hear a lot of keyboard, but the the synths are nice and spacey, uh, and it's. It is. Uh, I'll just close by saying that it is the kind of song that Prince will, can get away with. He's one of the only artists I think that could sing something like this. From whatever point of view he's singing, I think it's even that is slightly ambiguous, um, whether he intended it to be or not. But uh, yeah, it's it's great because it's quirky, it's weird, and meticulously composed. Uh, Toe Jam, what do you think about this one? Well, I pretty much have to agree with everything you said. Um, the melodies, it's a beautiful melody. I agree with Captain. The uh, the mixing of this song is really good. Like the way it just all those four or five parts. I don't know how many. Just like feels really thick and creamy. Uh, <laughs> Perfect <laughs> choice of words. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, again, I have to agree. The lyrics just kind of pull it down. It's like he's just gone that one step too far, where you just can't take it seriously, kind of thing. But yeah, you know. Like, like you said, beautiful melody, uh, beautiful arrangement. And it's quite similar to a lot of the songs we're doing tonight, actually, where it's very sparse instrumentation, lots of vocals, kind of showing off his, his uh, vocal abilities. So, yeah, that's pretty much all i got to say. I'll uh, pass it on. Player. Yeah, I never heard this track when it came out because I got the Batman 12-inch, I got the Party Man 12-inch, I even got the Scandalous Sexy 12-inch. But I could never bring myself to buy Arms of Orion. <laughs> so I didn't bear. Couldn't cross. Yeah. And when I saw the B side, it said I love you and me, and I thought, oh, this is gonna be some sappy love song in the tradition of um Arms of Orion. So I never heard the song until the hits B sides came out. So I was quite surprised by it and I really liked the um how it's just keyboards and the multilayered vocals. It, it it sort of stands out more because there's no drums and bass and all that you know, distracting from it or, or mm. getting in the way. So you get to hear the vocals a lot more. And I really like that. And it's really, really thick. But yeah, just some of the imagery it just portrays, like, you know, making love like surgery. I mean, like he's trying to convey that she makes love really smoothly, but, you know, I envisage, you know, some Isn't doctor... Such, yeah, no, some doctor snapping a rubber glove. And, <laughs> but the next line, I love you and me, you know. It's like, you know... She's getting fisted or something. It's just like <laughs> bad imagery. <laughs> it's 
So, you know, you kind of... Like, I said, like I said earlier, player, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it is a good song. And I guess you guys have hit the nail on the head. It, it, um, We've nailed it's a, it. It's, it's something that Prince could get away with, but, man, like, it, it, it's, yeah, it balances on a fine line there. Okay. But I think I think that line is like one of his um, where he thinks uh, I'll make kind of like a joke in in my song so that they don't take it seriously. Yeah, maybe. Like you think, maybe. oh, this might sound pretty cool in there, but I don't know. It just comes off wrong. Maybe he used that line because he was like, well, this, uh, you know, the 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 preceding lines and and the ones that follow it are quite vivid and direct and pretty explicit. Mm. If you use your imagination, maybe I'll just put in a line here that will kind of not discredit what he what he's singing about, but make it a little bit more um, tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, but I don't know the surgery reference. I I just don't understand it, I, and I don't think that that's that it's about smooth love making like surgery smooth. I don't know about that. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's medical. It's, it's medical. Like for me, it's medical. It's it's cold. It's nothing to do with love at all. It's oh, the total opposite. That's actually uh-huh. not like a sterile. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's a weird it's a weird thing. Oh, you might have actually hit the nail on the head, Captain. I never thought of that. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, mm. it's weird. just kind of mechanical and and maybe emotionless. I don't know. Just like you know, taking your time and details kind of thing. And that's just the romantic in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, it's one of his all-time clankers. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, and before we move on to player with his uh, B-side selection, I'll just finish this by saying that uh, one thing that I didn't mention earlier, explicitly, which is the um, his vocal work in his lower register. There, there's a few mm. notes that he hits that are just really low, like ba- like bass notes, basically, and um, very very nice to hear. It just it, it, he's got a great range. This song exemplifies that quite well, I think. But um, let's go into player with uh, your selection of a B-side that you like. We're getting busy, y'all. <laughs> Better call the law. Call the law. Which all is right, all right. like one of the besides Rock and Roll is Alive was one of the like kind of last B-sides that he sort of put out. Mm. And it's it's a strange one as well because it's really doesn't really star Prince at all on the vocal. It's more Tony M and the Game Boys. But yeah, I, I think the highlight of this track is like the instrumentation and, and like Michael B just pounds it on the drums and just the band's going nuts. And then you've got Prince doing the guitar licks in between all the vo- verses. Um, I really like it. I really like the song for some reason, even though it's got Tony M on it. I think it's it just oh, got a sort of on. it's got a certain energy. I don't know. It's got a certain energy that I like about it. It's just mm. like a party song. It's just like you know one of them sort of carefree songs, not supposed to take it seriously. See, I think that's what the downfall of the whole Tony M thing was that he sort of believed his own hype and like those songs where he thought he was really serious. It came off sort of silly. Whereas this, it's just like a party track. It's just like everyone's in for a good time, and you know. Mm you better call the law because, you know, we're just going to get rowdy sort of thing. So get that's rowdy. why I like it. Get rowdy now. <laughs> get freaky. Yeah, so that's why I like it. It's just a fun track. And, yeah, uh, just the, the things, like, that come up, like, um, 
Michael B's drums and just how like they're recorded and they just sound so heavy and and things like that. Um, I really really like it. Anyway. Cool. Uh, how about Toe Jam? Are you feeling Call of the Law? Uh, I don't mind it actually. Uh, I I think the highlight for me of the song is just the bass and the drums, the groove. That's just thick ass, thick ass group. Um, yeah, have you guys seen the video from the? Yes. Game? Like, I remember reading something, and at first I was kind of dismissive of it, but actually, the more I think about it, there might have some merit that Prince actually kind of started this whole gangster rapper kind of thing, because no. prior to, well, <laughs> prior to this, you know, rappers are always kind of like. Uh, on the you know on the um, the w- side of the working class kind of thing you know sticking it to the man kind of thing and then you know with Prince and the MPG and all their rap stuff kind of possibly started all this kind of you know the gangster glam kind of thing with all their dollars and their women in their pool in their spas and all this kind of he started the bling bling I'm Maybe. just trying to think I'm just trying to think of my knowledge of hip hop whether that I think player will know more than me uh, but... we can't answer player's got to answer that one <laughs> what what's the verdict player well, you're at least going back to 88 when NWA came out with Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, but that was like, that Jeez, was hardcore gangster rap. Though. Yeah. But what are that, we talking? Are we talking... We're talking like chains... Talking your classic and... video with your, your bitches in your in your spa and this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Party, yeah, well, I guess I guess it predates Biggie, which was sort of 93, 94. If you're talking about Call of Law, which was 91, yeah. I guess. Oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe. I'm just thinking of... Um, Big Daddy Kane, he he had that image down pat, and that yeah. was that that would yeah. have been late eighties maybe. Yeah, I guess I can't so. say I'm an expert, but anyway. Um, and oh, well, again, I guess uh, I didn't see Big Daddy Kane in like um, swimmers with. <laughs> <spectacles. laughs> uh, so I guess if you're talking that, then yeah, he's pretty innovative in that in that regard. Yeah. I have one word for you guys: yellow. <laughs> Chiquita yellow. <laughs> So, um, is it fair to say that Borat was inspired by that video? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I was just about to say that. But not only is he starting Gangster Rap, he's inspiring Borat himself. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, as I was saying, it's a good party groove, and um, it ended up on the Goldnigger album a couple of years later. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not bad. For what it is, little party, B-side, go for it, it's all right. Okay. Uh, is Captain jamming to this? Are you partying to call uh, the law? It's it's better than Gotta Stop Messing About. I'll say that. But I, I thought it'd be easy to talk about this track and, you know, you can diss Tony M for, for days. But it's it's a decent track. Michael B goes off on the drums and um, you can't, you can't go past the guitar that just kills everyone. But the thing is, I always thought it was Prince, but I read somewhere that it was Levi. But I'm sure it's Prince. Sounds but like I guess, I, but I guess, I guess yeah. we'll never know. But I read actually two well, we can, places. We can, we can get Levi on the show and ask him. Don't think sure. that'll happen. <laughs> but we can try. But, um, and yeah, so James said you got the, the great bass groove in there that goes along with Michael B. And you got Rosie. You got, it, it all comes together. And the video is funny too. Every time I hear this song, I just remember him coming down the escalator. And it's just it's just hilarious, and like the last minute or so of this track, it's just guitar heaven, and I might add pre whammy bar. 
<laughs> That's the most important thing. But um, he's playing a Schecter, isn't he? Yes. So. Well, he's well, playing the original Flying Cloud. Mm. But um, a lot of people don't like Tony M. I mean, a lot of people, like almost everyone. But I don't love him. But I don't. I, he's not like the devil who ruined Prince's music for a few years, like some people think. And in case you haven't noticed, from just about every single thread on Prince.org, there's there's someone who's removed Tony M's contributions from most of the songs that he contributed to. But I don't know how you could dislike a, a band member that much as to try to attempt to remove every trace of their existence. That's just a bit bizarre to, to my brain. I mean, I lucky, he, lucky just... he didn't hate Michael B, because good luck removing the drums from every track. <laughs> but um, I listened to the track as it was supposed to be, you know? As Prince intended, that was his vision at the time, and that's how I'm going to listen to it. I'm not going to go and delete Tony M. That's just, that's that's just silly. M is, is more about... Possibly, you know, a lot of people saw it as Prince Kate, like starting to, um, yeah, you know, cater get popular things into his music, and you know, I think there's some merit to that. There is, but I don't think it was a bad thing. I mean, it's not like Tony M was on every single track doing a rap on every verse. It was just little bits here and there. This track was a, a whole track, but I mean, Diamonds and Pearls, maybe half the songs Tony M was on them. I don't know. But he, he didn't ruin it, I don't think. he. That was what Prince was doing at the time, so that's what we listened to. Hmm. I don't think it was horrible. Okay. But yeah, it's a, it's a decent track. And it, I think it was originally just recorded as a track, and then they put it on the MPG album later on. So, But I want to know if it was Prince or Levi on guitar. Someone, someone find out. We'll get sure. Levi on the show. Listen, we'll get Levi Caesar on the show. We'll get Levi and Tony M, and we'll we'll get him on. Yeah, we'll see what they have to say about <laughs> it. Well, my, my concluding thoughts on this, um, I don't have anything... I've only got one new thing to add, and that is the only version of this song that really sticks in my mind is Sacrifice of Victor. Yeah. That uh-huh. kills it. That right. is the version, the definitive version of this track. He just rips the guitar to shreds on that. It's ridiculous. And um, Pre-whammy bar. Yeah, and look, if lotusflower.com was still around, maybe I could log in and watch it. But <laughs> since it was only streaming, I can't do that. And um, that was one of the best videos on that, on that website. I watched that more than once. Um, great, great performance, and uh, no one could ruin that song, not even Tony M on, 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 that, on that gig. But um, yeah, that's about it. I've got nothing else to add. So um, let's go into the next track, which is oh, Come Full Circle, Back Around Again to Me, fifth track of the night. And the song in question is, it's one word, Girl. But not this, the time version. No, not, no, this is Pure Prince, uh, and this is, this is an amazing song. I mean, it, it to me, draws comparisons uh, with I Love You In Me in parts. Um, no? No. Yeah, I see that. Um, and mainly um, the, the main comparison is, is the vocal. I thought you were going to say bad lyrics. <laughs> no, no. Um, and, and it's... Huh, it's a dr- It's obviously a... Um, I, I won't call this one of Toe Jam's famous dream songs... It's not quite there, but it does have a dreamy feel, 
dream-esque. Man, how many times have I said dream in this review? <laughs> Limited oh. vocabulary in reviewing this song, obviously. But it's... um, huh. I, 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 My notes are fairly blank on this because I have a hard time expressing exactly how I feel about it. I, I, but I will say that it's brilliant um, in most departments. Uh, it's quite a, a long song in its full version. Uh, and and really, it's man, it's unabashed. Just putting it out there. I mean, we mentioned Prince, you know, laying down his vocal tracks with, without anyone else in the room. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But if it's true, it makes perfect sense on a song like this, because I wouldn't be seen singing this in front of anyone. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, it's just one of those weird, freaky-deaky kind of songs to me. Uh, I think it's pretty f- filthy in, in, in a way. Um, I don't know, it just, it, it's difficult difficult to describe, but I think that it's, it's basically based around the vocal um, melody and, and the kind of, I don't know what it is, whether it's, is it backwards drums? Is it a... Is he playing around with a with a clock and using it as a beat? I don't know what it is. Like a metronome or something. Yeah, almost a metronome, isn't it? It's yeah. weird. It's weird. Um, little bells, and when I say bells and whistles here, I think he actually uses bells, um, <laughs> <laughs> literally. It kind of gives it an interesting quality. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I'm I'm a fan of this song, and it, it's going to be one of those reviews where where I find it hard to describe, so I'll pass it around to everyone else. Uh, player, what, what are your thoughts on Girl? Yeah, I, I really like... I'm with you on this. I really like the song as well, and the beat, like you said, it's it's relentless, and it's kind of like a heartbeat or something. Mm. It just keeps going, doom, 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 like it's just like a heartbeat, and then you've got the keyboard over it, and just really sort of based around that, just the, this drum beat and the keyboard, and you know, like you said, the lyrics, like, you know, I want you in the worst way, and it's just really cool, just really out there sort is of that track. Nice? I always thought he said, I want you in the West Wing. I'm like, how big is his house? <laughs> yeah, I, I was sure it was West Wing. No, I thought okay, it was Okay, it wasn't West just me, then. <laughs> hmm. um, but doesn't he say the East Wing later? I don't know. Maybe. Um... And didn't he revive this last year when he went down that Parrots promo? Did he played it? He played it live. Yeah, yeah. So I know someone who was at that show actually. They were in the front row for when he did the acoustic version of Girl. Yeah. Uh, so. Really, really cool. Really cool song. I really like it. Captain, Echo. how about you try and uh, take <laughs> this one off my hands? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I disagree. <laughs> I don't like this song. It's not I don't like it, I just don't get it. It's just, it's a weird song. Um, I think this was originally an older song. It was from 82 or 83, and he pulled it out and played around with it to put on the B-side of whichever track it was. But it's just, it's a weird song, but it it fits in with the Around the World in a Day vibe pretty well. But yeah, it's weird. There's no drums. It's just I've got these finger snaps and, like, bells or tambourines or something in the background. And you just got this synth bass that just drives the song along all the way. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a great fan of the vocals or the lyrics. It's mm. yeah, it's it's like Scala Pussy. It's not a song you play to your friends. It's just mm. 
it's just a weird thing. You don't you don't like the vocals though. What is it about them? Is it the delivery? It's, it's, is it? Yeah, it's the delivery. It's that lazy thing which I don't like. I want it. I want I want vocals like my name is Prince. I want him to push his voice but, till it cracks. Well, there, I don't, there I don't is. I want to hear this la 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 la. But no, there no. is a there is a point in this song when he, he does, um he does a good scream actually. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, I want you. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, I, I scream inside. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of good little bits, but overall, I don't like the vocal delivery. But, um, yeah, (laughs) Slater said he he played it last year sometime, just acoustic guitar, but it was pretty different to, I mean, there was, it was totally different music. It was just him with guitar, I think. It wasn't, the lyrics were the same, but music was different. But, um, uh, three minutes into this song, I'm over it. Seven and a half minutes, it's just, uh, Overkill. Like flogging Overkill. a dead horse. <laughs> and right. now I'll say it one more time without echo. Overkill. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Okay, Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on Girl? Um, I have to agree with Player and MC. Uh, wow. it's, it's pretty easy to dismiss this song, but I find when I actually do listen to it, it's not the kind of song I really go out of my way to listen to, but when I do listen to it, it always leaves me with a bit of a smile on my face at the end. Like It's just really relaxed and... Uh, it really does fit in on the Around the World in the Day material. It has that kind of hippie feel to it. Um, and, you know, I actually disagree with Captain. He's saying he likes his, you know, doesn't like the la-la-la vocals, but I think that kind of adds to all, you know, just all the things he can do. He can do this kind of lazy kind of song, and, and it comes across quite well. So um, sure. I might agree that six and a half, seven minutes is maybe a little bit too long. Uh, you know, I think there's also the edit version on the hits and B-sides, and, you know, that's that's all I need. Uh, so it's yeah. nice. And again, uh, one of these songs that we're doing tonight with very sparse instrumentation, really a feature, a vocal feature. It makes me think, though, with, uh, like you're saying, with a lot of these B-sides, they are sparse, which makes you think he puts a lot more work into, like, album version, album tracks. And the B-sides, he just chucks them off in a couple hours and doesn't do a whole lot of work on them. That's why they sound that way. That's yeah, what I think. In, in some instances, I guess. Yeah. Some, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, they're not. He didn't. He didn't work on this song for months on end to make it perfectly right. It was like, oh crap, I need a B-side. Yeah, I'll just yeah, pull this one out of the vault and do some remix. There you go. I think the, the thing about this and the reason why I kind of had a difficulty reviewing it is because there's nothing there's nothing about it really that is extremely memorable it, it is which forgettable is, yeah which is where it's where where I kind of agree with you captain about it's it's um a bit just lazy. Kind of, yeah I, I don't know that lazy is the right word i, I mean, don't know the, the little synth hook that sort of sticks in my head sometimes but mm. yeah it's just one of those tracks that i don't know i don't go and listen to it i don't sit I'm not driving home and I'm like, oh, I've got to go home and listen to Girl. That's seven and a half minute version. Uh, that that has never happened and it probably never will. But if it comes on, I listen to it. But like, I try to like this song. I try to find something that I really like about it, but there's nothing there that I like. It doesn't mean that there's not good things in it. I just don't, I don't hear them myself. Okay. Just on that little synth hook, I'm not saying it's the greatest synth hook, but I love this era kind of, uh, you know the classic Prince era. He he just had him. He was just a master of those simple little hooks. Um, and this is you know not one of the greatest ones, but it's just you know a nice little example of a classic Prince hook. 
Definitely. Very very basic though. I don't know. But yeah, that I mean that that's the one that's the two seconds that'll stick in your head out of the whole track. Because there's not much else there. I mean, it's, it's sounds just... like a it sounds like a music box to, sometimes. <laughs> Reminds me of that kind. Of... If we finished on the, on girl, let's go into Toe Jam's second selection for the night, which is how come you don't call me anymore? Classic B side off. Now, what was this the B side to? Uh... I know it was 1999 album, but was it actually that song? Let's pretend we're married. 999. Yeah. I believe it was the B-side of 1999, but you can correct yeah, me. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. Okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, classic, classic, classic Prince B-side. Um, I've actually got something a little bit different tonight to show the viewers. Uh, and that is the chord progression that he plays throughout. It's a really interesting chord progression in that um, I can almost see him starting off with something really simple. Uh, and then slightly altering it a few times to come up with this really unique kind of uh, chord progression. So I've, I'm sure most people are familiar with um, the classic piano song. Uh, I think it's Body and Soul. The classic Heart and Soul. Heart and Soul. Soul. Everyone who plays piano knows how to play it, and it's a really simple um, chord progression. One, one, six, four, five. That's probably a billion songs have been written using. It's the ice cream song. <laughs> Okay, so the first snippet I'm going to show you is um, just me mucking around a bit. And this is How Come You Don't Call Me uh, played along to the classic 1645 chord progression. So take it away, Music Man. Okay, and just to clarify, everyone, this is Toe Jam. <laughs> so we're not ripping anything off here. I'm sure everyone's, as soon as they hear that chord progression, you think, oh, yeah, this is a million songs use this kind of thing. I've played this before. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Prince has then taken this and changed a couple of the chords. The second chord, uh, he's turned it into an F-sharp minor um, second inversion, which is basically the same chord, but the, the first note is a semitone less, and the fifth, no the fifth note of this chord is a semitone higher. Uh, and then on the last chord, instead of playing a, a, just a straight G-sharp chord, he plays a G-sharp in the bass and an F-sharp chord in the, um, in the right hand. So this is now the second version. I can, I'm not saying he, this is the way exactly he's done it, but I can kind of see the, uh, the way that this song, where the, where the chord progressions come from. So this is now How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore played with those new chords in the same rhythm of Heart and Soul. So take it away, Music Man, number two. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, so smooth. <laughs> um, that's that's a really. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, just, it's like very similar, but just those slight differences just add it a little, give it a bit more flavour to it. 
Well, that that second um, that second time around with with those differences that you've that you've noticed and spot and spotted out for all of us, to me it it just it it's actually a radical from a, just listening to it a radical difference, and it actually makes it sound kind of more soulful and melancholic. I do, it's yeah. just yeah. yeah. Well, the fact that that second chord's slight, it's like kind of a an, an ugly sister of the original one. Yeah, it just yeah. sounds wrong. Yeah, it sounds a bit right. wrong. It almost sounds out of tune. Like it's just but once the, the the lead line comes in, you don't even notice it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Okay, my final version now is just the exact same as that, but just playing the rhythm that Prince plays. Uh, and again, it's very, it's not a sort of easy clap along rhythm. It's kind of a disjointed rhythm. And so this is the third and final version of how come you don't call me anymore? As close as I can to getting it to what Prince sounds like. Okay. <laughs> That's very around the world in a dayish. <laughs> So, yeah. So anyway, that's just illustrating uh, what a great composer Prince is. I think uh, his ability to take something kind of pretty ordinary and standard and just muck around with it a bit, just to add it more, add more flavour, add more spice to it. Uh, and again, not saying that's exactly his thought process, but uh, you, even if, I think it might be done on a subconscious level that you know he just tweaks things enough that it's kind of familiar, but it's kind of unique and um, different in the same time. So there's something a little bit different. Um, That was very interesting. So let me just... The rest of the song, um, just a vocal highlight. Vocals just going off, really playful again, screams and bends, just like almost showing off his vocals. Uh, Amazing stuff. And I love the way he's kind of kicking the piano as well. So it just sounds like, you know just him and the piano basically and um, and I like the way that when the chorus comes in he's got the, the backing vocals doubling it a nice effect and a good use of silence when there's like how come you don't call me anymore just really nice use of silence um, so yeah classic B-side and uh, a really good composition I think hmm alright uh, Captain what are your thoughts on this Prince classic I think it's fair to say being the B-side of 1999, this could be one of his most heard B-sides. Because mm. how many people would have bought this track? 1999, when it first came out. I mean, you people would have bought the album, but the single would have sold millions. But, but, but? how many people think that this song is an Alicia Keys track? A lot. Well, a lot. A hell of a lot. A lot of people. More, I reckon more people in the world think it's an Alicia Keys track than think it's a Prince track. Exactly. For sure. Well, we know who's getting the money in the bank, and that's all that matters to some people. Mm. But I think it's a travesty that people don't realise that it's that Prince has any involvement in it. The, the Alicia Keys version is cool, but like, if you say if you say to someone that's a Prince song, and they go nah or whatever, you know, that's 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 pretty bad. Mm. The, the the thing with that is, I mean, nothing compares to you was the same. Exactly. I mean, not a lot of people knew that was a Prince song, but now 
everyone knows? Is, or is that just people that I know? But anyone that I know, when that comes on, I'm like, oh, you know, that's a Prince song. And they're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Now it's like common knowledge. But maybe maybe this song will be known to be a Prince track in 10 years. Everyone will know that it was his. Yeah. Slowly, it'll just get into people's brains somehow. Actually, this has been know. covered quite a few times, I think. There's quite a few artists. That yeah. Yeah. Over the years. Mm. Yeah. Which shows you how many people have heard this song. Hmm. Because it was the B-side of 1999, which which was just a massive single. But um, the thing I like most about this track is probably the beat. It's just his foot tapping on the on the pedal, <laughs> on the piano, like the whole song. So and that's cool. just that's just cool. But this is yeah, this is another example of a great song being stuck on a B-side, when it could easily be an album track. It could easily be on an album. But not the 1999 album. It wouldn't fit on Maybe, that. Maybe, no. Uh, no. See, that's the thing. It but is on, a great track, but it would not yeah. fit on that album. And he's played it a lot. I mean, he's played it a lot over the years, so he likes the song. He knows it's a good song. But I don't have a lot to say about it. It's it's a, it's a great B-side on of a great single. And, yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll chime in here for a little bit because I am... Uh, a massive, massive, massive fan and, and have so much appreciation for this track. I think it's it's all round magnificent. Um, everything about it, um, from the chords and and um, and even more now after hearing some of Toe Jam's you know in thoughts and and, and and analysis of it from a musical point of view, um, it it's. It's amazing. It's it's brilliant to me, and I, I love his use of space, and specifically of silent space, in, in the uh, in the bridge or at the end of it, and and also one thing that really really stands out to me is the simplicity of his piano playing. It it suits it serves the song so well, you know. Like you could you could really jam on this. Uh, you could extend it. You could turn it into any. You could turn this into a samba piece if you wanted to. Oh. You could do. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a particularly good idea, but I'm, what I'm saying is that it's open to. It, this song is really open to a lot of interpretation, and it's been composed again meticulously, uh, just like one another song I mentioned earlier. Uh, his vocal is. It just. I melt every time I hear him sing this, you know, an early 80s and just, oh, it's a really powerful soulful vocal performance with just enough with this element of, of quirkiness, an ele- element of a it's it's got this princeism. I don't know what it is, but it's it's a quality that he has, especially when he kind of yells and screams and you know, on those shrieks it, that is really really cool, cool uh, cool to listen to, cool to hear, and um, I would love to hear this. Li- I've never heard this live, you know, um, in in, uh, in person. It, it was available on the One Night Alone live uh, CD, which is a great version um, on on the 3D box set. But I would love to hear this, and I'll, I'll just close with two things. One is the, the Alicia Keys cover. Um, I think that it's a shame that. Uh, and and uh, this is not in in no way disrespecting Alicia here, but she doesn't cover a lot of 
music. She certainly plays covers, but from what I've heard from her, she doesn't cover a lot of stuff, right? Now, I've seen her in concert a few times. Every time I've seen her in concert or heard about her in concert on certain tours, this number has come out. Like, I've heard it live in person when she's played, and a lot of the a lot of people I know that have seen her, both in the States and Canada and Australia, say that she, she brings us out often. And you're and like, get your own damn song. No, no, no. I think it's... A, I mean, I think it's a... She does a brilliant version of it as well. Uh, I just think that... I don't know. Maybe I'm putting my foot in my mouth here because, you know, I'm not a performing artist. I don't play live to, to hundreds of thousands of people. But if you take a song and you cover it and you really don't add much to it, I think at some point, and maybe at multiple points, either during a live performance or in interviews or whatever, you should really make more a more concerted effort to give credit where credit's due. So, if you take a song and you radically rework it and you really make it your own, to me, she doesn't make it her own. She does a good cover version, but it's still a cover version. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. like I said, I've heard it twice live, and I just cringe at the... And the audience goes insane for this song. And again, no disrespect to Alicia Keys. She's my girlfriend's favorite female artist. I am a fan of hers. But when she played this in 2003, I think, at the Enmore in Sydney, and she, I think she did a version of it in 2008 or 2009, Ace Arena, Sydney again, um, audience went wild. And it was one of the biggest applauses of the night, more so than a lot of her own material. And when that happens, I agree with Player that it is a shame. Because a lot of artists do covers that you know, are received kind of haphazardly or just average or whatever the case. But this song gets such a reception when she does it live. And I guarantee you that most people think that it's an Alicia Keys song and that is a shame. Uh, and she, I don't say she that she plays often. it live, does she ever say this is a Prince song? She's never said it that I know of. And I, I, I made a, a point to ask friends that have seen her overseas and no one has ever heard her mention Prince at all. And look... Again, I feel kind of stupid, like as if I'm making a, a really big deal of this, because again, if you're an artist, th there's no, you don't have a responsibility to do that. It's not something that you have to do. It's fine. You cover people's, people cover people's songs all the time. But as a F Prince fan, it's a little bit disappointing. Um, but then again, I'm just thinking, I don't know. I know I'm rambling now, but maybe if I was in her shoes, would I necessarily do it myself? You know, would I use my own Prince? I'm just thinking, I've just finished this song, would I just, you know, pick up the mic and go, oh, by the way, that was a Prince song. Like, how would you, you know. So I see both sides of the coin, but it's a brilliant song. And I'll just close with um, the other thing that I, I read or heard somewhere that, and you guys need to fill me in on this, um, because you guys might know, that he actually had the lyrics either drawn or printed or inscribed into one of his pianos, like the, the lyrics to the whole song onto the piano. He had it in, inscribed or yeah, whatever. Vague recollection of hearing that somewhere. Yeah. I'm like thinking I, 1997 tour, Love for One Another. The piano he had on stage, I think that's the one. Because if that's true, that's really cool. That's a really cool story. Like the how come you don't call me anymore piano. That's that's a really cool cool idea, cool concept. Because he did me. play that song a lot, 97 as well, so hmm. that could have been it. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I just I've, that just came to my brain. 
And uh, actually, I, thought, I said I was going to finish on that line, but I will finish on one last one that just came to me now. I don't have this in my notes. It, just to reference, um, it, it, it's, it's a variation on a traditional blues theme, which, which is just, I thought yeah. I'd put that in there. Um, because the lyrics are quite good, and the sentiment's good, and, and it's an interesting play on, on, on human relationships. But it's fairly straight down the line blues with a slight twist a Prince twist and the twist is his delivery so the lyrics are kind of straight straight ahead you know um, kind of classic blues interpreted by a, a very um, quirky artist at times and I think the way he, he says the anymore kind of is really smooth silky smooth so uh, anyone else got thoughts on this or have we covered everyone um, I'll just say I kind of agree with you on the Alicia Keys thing in that her version of it, and again, I'm, I'm a big Alicia Keys fan too, but I remember when I first heard it, thinking, oh, okay, she's going to do this song, and I heard it, and I was just think, oh, it's it's just exactly the same as the Prince version, but A, not as good, and B, just with a beat to it. like. Hmm. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's a really kind of disappointing. But, uh, again, not to harp on about it, but, yeah, I, I remember being a bit disappointed with the cover as well. I know what you mean. I mean, if you're going to cover someone's song, you know, do something with it. Don't just yeah. copy it. And just make, make, make it your own song. But she didn't do that. She just copied it pretty much. Mm. And I she's think it's cool that she brought it to a, a, a new generation. So that because it's such a good song that like a newer generation should hear the song, but they're not aware of like you know where it came from. Mm. And that's the thing. It's like a and she doesn't reference it. So like yeah, to like, them, it's just an electric song. Yeah. Like I've I've heard Cindy Lauper cover um, when you were mine. When you were mine. And she right. she basically goes into a monologue about how much she loves Prince and that it's a Prince classic and all this kind of stuff. So look, I'm not saying, yeah, repeating ourselves, but it's just it's it's I don't know something to talk about, I guess. I wonder um, if Prince, you know, if that was his plan. You know, he's. You know, he played her a bunch of songs, and she's like, "Oh, I like this one." And he's like, "Yeah, what? I'll I'll let you have it. Put it on your album, knowing full well he's going to get lots of money if that's ever going to be a single." You never know. That's a good point, actually. Maybe knowing that, oh, she might blow up. Great R and B artist. I mean, she was. That was was that a second album she covered this? That was her first album. First, yeah. First album, and that album went massive. I mean, but it was one of the last that, singles. It wasn't like doing covers. It wasn't like the first single she put out. It was one of the last singles she put out from that album, I think. Mm. Yeah. So it's not like she's completely writing the back of it. Mm. And mm. she changes the lyric from um, "How come you don't call me anymore, Mama?" to "How come you don't call me Papa?" or something when when she does it live. Does she say that it, it's just one lousy dime? No, she doesn't. I love that part. Of, like, <laughs> right at the end, I love that. Oh, it just fades down. He just says, "Just one lousy dime, babe." That's so cool. Oh, I like the part where it goes, How on earth can't you just pick up the phone? You know, I don't like to be alone. Why? Why? <laughs> that's cool. That is... See, that's where he takes... He takes the standard blues number and he and he just... Twi- like Tojem said, with, with um, you know, some of the stuff he's doing with the chords and, and, and notationally, notation-wise, but here, vocally, he does a very similar thing. He just quirks it up and it makes it yeah. makes it his own very interesting um okay 
So, moving on to Mr. Captain, and you got another B-side you want to talk talk about? I do. This song is um, not, I suppose to some people, it could be really similar to Gotta Stop Messing About, but to me, it's totally different, and that is Horny Toad. It's a great song. This, this is a song. It's the great rockabilly song. It's got a great synth riff. And he, he's got lyrics like, all I want to do is whip your body till you start to bleed. That's just classic. <laughs> Great. That's, I mean, this, you know, this just shows, you know, his brain. And like, and then you can see where his brain goes because you got the automatic video with all that, the stuff that happens in that video. He, he's, he's, he, he can be a bit, oh, what's the word? Perverse? Bit of a horny toad. <laughs> Bit of a horny toad, exactly. It's um, but I love the synth solo. But see, this is one song I can play this song like twenty times in a row without getting sick of it. I can just keep listening to it. It's just, and it starts off in like a, a higher voice, but then as the song goes along, he adds more vocal tracks, and then the the last one where he's saying you. Uh, something about your boyfriend can get his bare ass on the road. It's just excellent. It's it's, and it's got a bunch of different vocal tracks there. But you know, it's the rockabilly song. It's like Jack You Off and Delirious. I wish he did like a whole album. Actually, when you put them all together, he's probably got an album of songs like that. That's what I'm gonna That's do. That's like I'm the Holy make, Trinity. I'm gonna make an album of all those rockabilly songs. Make some more. <laughs> make some more, and then we'll have a whole album to do. It'll be great. See, like, that, well, like, Horny Toad, Delirious, and Jackie Off is like the Holy Trinity. Like, you know, they have all yeah. sort of like a similar theme and, and sound. Um, You're running talks to Russia like well, the... sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. I, I can't I wait like to get how... to that album. <laughs> I kind of like how the, um, the drum beat just fades in. Yeah, it doesn't start see? off like, you know, straight away. It just fades in. Was he the first one to screams, do that? You know. A reverse fade? Instead of at the end of the track, it was at the start? So, I don't know. But it maybe. is unique. It is unique. But yeah, and, it's and, just, and this song just starts off with a scream. Beat. It's great. Yeah. Launches into it. And it just has that relentless beat and, you know, the, the synth lines. and It's just, like, of that era. And that um, No More Candy For You brought me back to this sort of era of this sort of style song so yeah I think it's a really cool song I'm with you on that Toad Jam yeah I, I don't really have much more to say about this it's it's a classic rockabilly early 80s print song that uh, again goes along with Jack You Off and um, and uh, Delirious and if anything you know this one's very very similar to Delirious and so you can see why he's put it as the B-side to Delirious mm. Um, and it's kind of like you know, it's like the the, the brother or sister of the lyrics. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. Uh, it would be interesting putting together all those songs on, on an album and having having a listen to it because he was certainly a fan of that kind of almost harking back to like Elvis kind of era, you know, his fast-paced rockabilly kind of tracks. Oh, what about um, Court in Time? Yeah, yeah, that's not too far off. Okay. MC, what do you think about this? Well, um, not much. Uh, uh, no, I'm joking. 
<laughs> I'm joking. Oh, God, I'm completely give me a heart joking. Um, sorry, I thought we were talking about Horny Pony, but Horny Toad um, <laughs> is just hilarious. <laughs> it is. I, I, you know, it's it's. You guys have touched on 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 a lot about this song, and I don't want to repeat everything that every everyone said. Um, it's just brilliant, uh, and and the uh, yeah, like it's just. C- Classic early '80s experimenting. Um, again, um, kind of ro- rockin', rockabilly type type uh, type rhythm there, um, and it's just great to hear Prince in funny funk mode or funny funky mode, and and he's and he's all over this track with tongue firmly firmly in cheek. Which is brilliant to hear. I, it's you know two minutes and a few seconds, but I just get a smile on my face every time. And uh, again, just like "Girl" and possibly even um, "I Love You" in me, and even "Hello," really, that they're all songs that I just can't put a finger on why what it is that I you know if I had to choose one thing about this song, I maybe the humour, but it's just something that I it's a joy to listen to. You know, it it's not not it doesn't not pioneering. It doesn't break any ground. It doesn't doesn't create anything new. But it's just really cool to listen to. So I like. The it. only thing is, because it's so short, I I can listen to it like twenty times. Because mm. you just I can't get enough of it. I just yeah. keep listening to it over and over. And I never get sick of it. It's a nice little ditty. I don't think we'll hear it live anytime soon, but it's it's cool. Oh, I would bloody I would love to hear this song live. <laughs> It'd be so good. With um, what's his name on drums? Chris Coleman. Chris, Chris Coleman. Coleman. H- him on drums. I don't know about that. Holy moly, this song would just kill everyone. That'd be good. So, if we finished up with this, let's move from one horny to another. <laughs> on the horny theme. <laughs> and player, yeah, on the horny theme. Player, introduce your uh, B side. Well, we're going from toads to ponies, I guess. So, <laughs> it's B side. It's a whole kettle, another kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah, more more animals. Um, of course, I'm talking about Horny Pony. And um, when this song came out, this is another one that I didn't get straight away. In the sense that um, all I was buying when Prince released um, singles was 12 inches. I didn't even bother with the single because I would get that on the album, so I didn't get it. And on the Get Off 12 inch, it was. Um, uh, help me out, guys. Gangster Glam. Gangster Glam. Clocking the jizz. Clocking the jizz. Yeah. So you didn't get Horny Pony on that version. So I never sort of got Horny Pony until later on. So, um, you know, it's an interesting tra- track. It's one of those tracks that, it's, you know, it's kind of like Prince coming up with one of his dances, like do the Horny Pony sort of thing. And, yeah, it just doesn't really, like, I can't see myself in a club coming up behind <laughs> some girl doing the horny pony because you know you can't? it just would not go well it, it might work but it might I'll probably get slapped in the face I mean that's going to be the end result so and they're just saying well don't that... worry honey I'm just a horny toad <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll get down really well too but yeah it's just I don't know it's just I can't like the song like you know the dun 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 like all that part, that's pretty cool, but it's just, it's not a song that, you know, you could, again, play for friends or whatever. It just wouldn't go down too well, but, yeah, it's a pretty cool song. Ma, Next. pa, <laughs> pony, pony. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll uh, move on to either Toe Jam or Captain because I, I, I had pretty much everything that you had on there. Um, I, I didn't hear it until um, a while after it was released, and uh, I don't think that much of it. Um, the, <gasps> that, the only thing that I can say is that, that like with most Prince productions, the um, mixing is great. That's probably the mm. best thing I can say about this song. It's mixed very, very well, and everything's up front and clear in the mix. So you can pump it up, but yeah. I'll, I'll move on to maybe Captain on this one. I love this song. <laughs> I got the Cream single when it came out, and I played this to death. I played this ten times more than I played Cream. Wow. It's just... It's just... It's a, the classic Prince fun track. And I love... I love all of it. I love the bass. I love the guitars. Rosie's there being great. The backing vocals are good too. And you could run all the way to Barcelona. I mean, what a line. That's just great. And Chicken Grease in the house. The funny, the funniest line in this song is when he says, um, don't look at me, y'all. I just wrote it. Put on a record, wrapped it up, and then I sold it. That is just that is hilarious. That that is cool. That's actually a pretty tight rhyme coming it from is. Prince. It's it's really good. Yeah. But I just love this this whole that whole era. It was just before Diamonds and Pearls and he was writing songs like Horny Pony, The Flow, Jughead, Call the Law. That whole just between Tour and Diamonds and Pearls, I love the stuff they were doing. I wish that album came out instead of Diamonds and Pearls as it was because it would have been great. Mm. Probably it wouldn't have been as it wouldn't have been the hit that Diamonds and Pearls was, but I would have liked it. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's, all, that's all. Cool, cool. Toe Jam. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just checking my album cover here. This is the song that was supposed to be, well, assumedly supposed to be on, on the album. Because yeah. he's got that big rap at the back. It's thunder when I'm on the mic. Daddy pops in the house. And yeah. Goes through all the song names, which he's done a couple of times uh, in a few different albums. Yeah. And then when it gets to Get Off, he's like, oh, uh, when he gets to Horny Pony, he's like, oh, no, no, no. We'll put Get Off in there kind of thing. Which <laughs> I, I agree, because Get Off's a much stronger track. Um, I, I like the groove on this. I like the bass. That kind of thing. Just cool. And it, it's mixed really well. But the thing that kills me for it is just that rambling on with the girl. Like to me, it takes uh, it takes me out of the song because it's like someone commentating about the song in the song, <laughs> and I just yeah, it is, it is a bit distracting actually. Really, but, like, I reckon if I had yeah. a version of this without that, I'd like it a lot more. But I just find that really distracting. It's like when you're watching a movie and they start, you know, like they realise it's a movie and they start talking. And it's just kind of cheesy. Uh, so, but other than that, it's classic, you know, 1991 NPG jam kind of thing. What about uh, that prince? Is he weird or what? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like it's, it's funny, but it's like, it's kind of distracting as well. Cause it's like, no, I just want to listen to the groove. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear what you got to say. So, um, so yeah, it's not a bad jam. The groove's good. Okay. All right. Um, and from there... Where do we go into? Uh, I think we might actually come around to something entirely different. Another Toe Jam selection. What have you got for us? Uh, well, I've got kind of two, uh, and that is the two B-sides of 
God, the instrumental version and the vocal version. And um, again, very similar to How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, very similar to Girl, I Love You With Me, very... I'll, I'll talk firstly about the vocal version. Um, very sparse arrangement, lots of vocal stylings, uh, and amaz- again, amazing vocals, really playful, uh, especially his vibrato in this one, the way he just sort of bends the notes. Uh, very nice. And I like the way the song is just... Um, uh, what is it? Eight eight chords or so, and they just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. But each time, mm-hmm. it's you know, it builds and it it you know pulls and and slows down, and speeds up, and just this like you know really rubbery kind of continual uh, chord progression, which is really nice. Um, what else have I got here? Uh, I like you know it's it is religious. It's definitely Prince. Uh, expressing his religious views but at the same time you know I can kind of go along with it even though I don't necessarily subscribe to it I can kind of God could mean anything yeah that's right exactly and um, you know the way he says you know we're all created equally I think yeah fair enough equally equally equally, equally. <laughs> and I love the way in the um, I think it might be the second chorus when all of the vocals come in and it just like it's like someone turning yeah. on a light it brightens up and it's really thick chords uh, I know exactly the bit you're talking about. Very nice, very nice. And, uh, yeah, 3 minutes 10 to 3 minutes 25, there's just some crazy screams and vocal noises just going on. Just crazy you, stuff. You said <laughs> it. <laughs> just, you know, who knows what he's doing. So. <laughs> um, and then right at the you know, it's very similar to the way he performed it live as well. Uh, it's this kind of interaction uh, at the end yeah. where he's like oh, dance dance electric who screamed and all this kind of thing uh, oh the classic who screamed yeah. was it you yeah. yeah was it you so um very beautiful melody uh, and the instrumental version uh, is again it's, it's the same melody and chord progression but it's just now it sounds to me like it's all Prince playing, playing everything but I could be wrong on that um, anyone know for sure anyone? no I idea about this one I've always heard it as Prince playing everything, and um, so do it, I. Yeah, it builds up and it stretches, and it's got this massive grandiose ending from six minutes onwards till the end. Just an amazing, amazing how he can just take such a simple chord progression and just do all these amazing things with it. Um, lots of interplay between all the in- instruments, which makes it sound like it's. Uh, being improvised but at the same time it's like obviously because if it's him playing everything he would have had to go back and listen to it and play it again over the top of it so but it has this spontaneous feel to it uh, and it's kind of messy um, but again that sort of adds to the the uh, innocence of, of the song uh, so yeah all around it's a very it's just a beautiful melody and I, I like the way he's incorporated incorporated it in recent years as like a um, intermission music that kind of thing Najee. Yeah, or um, Mike Phillips played it on the O2 shows, and uh, yeah, just a beautiful melody. And you know, getting back to our Sydney Opera House thing, like this song would just be amazing hearing the song with the full orchestra. Oh, was this song in your track list? It was. It was. was. Oh, okay. I think it was an interlude. Yeah, mm. with Najee. <laughs> so yeah, very um, unique song in the Prince Canon. Mm. Uh, Captain, what do you think about uh, God, the song? 
The song, okay. The instrumental. Most people wouldn't have heard the instrumental. I mean, if you've only got the hits and B-sides, you've only got the, the vocal version, which is great. But the instrumental one's twice as long. It's, it's only like released seven, in the UK, right? From memory? Uh, something like that. Yeah, you can get it on iTunes. Yeah, I just remember, I can't remember which one was which. The Americans got the vocal and the uh, United Kingdom. Yeah, it was something like that. the other way around, but I forget. Yeah, I think it was UK got the, the instrumental. But see, the instrumental is almost eight minutes. The vocal one's only four minutes. But the some of the guitar on the um on the instrumental one is just crazy. But then, yeah, you got the vocal version as well. It's got s- some amazing vocals. Like, I don't have the time of it, but there is one line where he says something about through the night, I think it is. And he just holds that night. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it's, a great, it's great delivery. It's, yeah, yeah, through the night. Every time I, every time he sings that, I'm just like, oh, I'll listen to that. It's good stuff. But you don't have a lot to say about it. It's just Man. some good stuff. Chills just went up my spine when I thought about that line that you mentioned, Captain. I yeah, agree. I that's yeah. that is. I haven't even got it written here. I just think of this song and I think of that line oh, straight away. That's that might be one of one of it's his beautiful. cornerstone key deliver like oh, I'm just <laughs> falling all over my words now that's brilliant alright uh, player what are your what are your thoughts on these two uh, versions of of God um, I prefer the instrumental over the vocal version mm. um, I mean the, the delivery in vocal is really cool but I think it's a bit pitchy the vocal version and especially in the Purple Rain tour it was just like you know it was quite heavy for that tour like, everyone was going nuts, and, you know, it was a very sexually charged show, and then, like, right in the middle of it, you got this. Like, I know he was trying to, like, change it and bring it down and maybe give out a message, but it was just, I don't know, a bit disjointed, and it's just, I don't know, a little bit preachy. Um, the instrumental is really cool. I really like it, and I really like how Renato um, played it on Musicology Tour, but... Um, yeah, I, I do have to agree with Captain. That delivery of that line and just the delivery of the vocals in general is really, really cool. And the screams and all that. But yeah, that's it. Hmm. All right, well, I'll finish this off by saying that every, every, you know you guys have covered a lot of this, um, a lot of the great things about this song. A, a few things that um, make it stand out for me, and I'm talking about the vocal version now, uh, the one on the B-Sides disc, is the the... And I'll, I'll try and do it through the mic. The little... <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember where, what part in the song it is, but he does this little... In the middle yeah. of... Yeah. Yeah. Three quarters of the way through. Little things like that. I mean, I can't believe I'm... On one hand, I can't believe I'm even talking about seemingly insignificant vocal... Uh, I don't know what you'd call them. Little kind of gimmicks, or... I guess it's part of his delivery. Yeah. But... These little things stand out to me because you don't always hear it. And actually, very rarely do you hear people step away from the grain of of how to sing a song, how to deliver a song to a listener, and how to craft a song as a as a and not only some sort of expression, but a reflection of um, the things that that. Uh, you know, kind of personalize you as an artist, and I think that that's what he does here, and it's so grandiose in his 
vocal delivery. It's unbelievable. The screaming on here, you guys have said it, but I have to repeat it because it deserves the praise it's getting, is out of this world. And when you hear it, you feel like he's breaking through the sound barrier, literally, mm. you know? Um, it's, it's, you know, to quote a Wayne Shorter album, it's beyond the sound barrier. He just goes straight through it, you know? He breaks through all the glass ceiling and everything is just... It's amazing, and that's where Player said earlier it's a little pitchy. I, to me, that's one of the things that intrigues me about this song in a positive way. Um, now, in the notes uh, to the to the album, um, to the B-sides uh, compilation, it says something about that it was recorded on a Sunday, as all of Prince's kind of uh, spiritual or, or, or gospel songs were, supposedly, maybe even are to this day. And it also, from memory, I don't know if this says this in the note, but from memory, I read somewhere that it was recorded in one take. Now, I don't quite understand that, because when you hear it, there's obviously overdubs. The vocals could have been done in one take. So maybe it just refers to the vocals only. And I think there's even some overdubbing on the piano. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to me. But, oh, man, it's, it's really transcendental this this song it's unbelievable and the instrumental is to me very different and mm. uh, I don't know someone mentioned um, I think Tojan mentioned how much like Prince can really squeeze the life out of a fairly simple chord progression mm. and he does that here to astonishing effect on the instrumental to the point where to me they are entirely different songs Almost, and yeah. It, goes, a, it does leave the chord progression a bit in the instrumental, but again, it, like it's it's so organic, isn't it? It's just sort of it sounds like it's just these four people improvising it all at the same time. But I don't. I think it's all Prince. Yeah, and and I mean, look, even if it is four people improvising, or however many people may or may not have been in recording on this, it. I think the sound. Is is very um, it's it's disjointed in parts I I think actually and specifically on some of the drum work but then it, it's almost as if it it's it's on purpose. It and adds to it. It adds it, to the tension of it. Yeah, it it's almost as if like you hear some of the drum breaks that are in it, um, and and then you'll hear like a, a second or, or or two seconds or you know whatever it is of, of silence or it's not even silence it'll just hear the reverberation of the previous note or some echo 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 <laughs> and 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 then he'll just he'll come in with either another guitar lick or or another scream or whatever and it just adds to this there's a lot of country um uh country stuff playing uh, in in the background there as well. Uh, in fact, it'd be this would be a very interesting song to analyze uh, from a purely musical standpoint, like from a technical standpoint. Um, and it, it reminds me in some ways. Um, I'm getting slightly off track here, but it reminds me of uh, Alexa to Paris in the sound of the record, the mm. and, and the way that that it's mixed again. So there yeah, might they're not be... that far apart. They're only well at the most. What two years apart? Year and a half. Mm. Mm. There's just an interesting. There's an interesting timbre to the to the drums, specifically the drum track. It really, the more I think about it, it really stands out. 
um, so you know, sometimes it sounds tinny, sometimes it sounds over the top, and sometimes it sounds like a royal mess. But this song is, you know, royal genius. It really is, these two songs. Brilliant. Just brilliant work. The instrumental always reminds me of that scene in Purple Rain with Apollonia. Well, it's, it's the Every love theme. That is, that is the love theme from Purple Rain. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Great, great stuff. Now, uh, let's move on to uh, the captain again, oh. to be sure. Uh, your last B-side for the night. This is a great, great song. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is not on the B-sides disc. It is not? Yes. It is not, and that, that was a crime <laughs> against the world. It is love or money. Now, this was the B-side. Was it Mountains? I think, think so. it was Matt. Besides, besides a kiss. Kiss. Oh, kiss. Yeah, yes. that's, it. that's the one. But yeah, that this wasn't on the B-Sides disc and Gotta Stop Messing About was. Come on. Who made that decision? Hmm. I don't know. But this is just the... the it's, it's as funky as hell, this song. Hmm. It's just got funky guitar all over the place when the Parade album generally didn't have much guitar at all. And wasn't there another song we did in the first B-Sides show, which was Alexa de Paris. It's got guitar. Yeah. But mm. most of yeah. the album didn't. And yeah. it, it was just so good That's to hear it. And, um, ha- yeah, how this track wasn't on Parade instead of... Uh, there was there was space on the album. They could have easily had another track on there. This should have been on Parade. Mm. And how, this, how, this would have taken Parade over the top in, bri- in brilliant status. It could have just been brilliant. I mean, it's got the higher than the normal Camille voice it's even it's higher than that but it's it's just so funky and the thing with the title of this track it was i think it was the last track on a Joni Mitchell live album that she had and uh, we we guess from things that he listened to Joni Mitchell mm. since he covered one of her songs a few times that that's where he got the title from but yeah this track's just great it's it's very it's got a real Dream Factory sound to it, even though it was before that time. But you know, you listen to this and you can see where 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 it was going. But um, yeah, if only that album had come out. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Great, 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 great. All right, I'll say a few things and then we'll move on to everyone else again. Uh, agree with virtually everything you said, uh, but the the thing that really intrigues me are the lyrics, because. Is you know is this ha- having a bit of fun and and slightly tongue in cheek, or is there a serious undertone um, uh, you know beneath the the music? I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to get everyone's opinion on that. I, I think um, especially nowadays, I guess um, you know Prince being at the, at the at the stage in his career that he is, I wonder what he himself thinks about this song from a lyrical point of view and. Um, you know whether it's it 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 uh, still stands up <clears throat> to him or or even is relevant to him. Well, that um, might have been. I mean, if it was his decision, he might not have wanted it to put it on the B sides disc. If it was down to him, if it was his choice, who knows? Yeah. You, you, yeah. We, I mean, we don't know. It, it's hard to say. But but from g- leaving the, the lyrics alone and, and not going into them at all, actually. But I just thought I'd mention them because they, they, they speak for themselves. So for anyone listening, I, I just don't know. Maybe I'm making a, more, a bigger deal of it. There's there's not a lot in the song. 
but um, yeah. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Musically, there's a lot going on, and I'll, I'll leave it to, to Player and Tajem to touch on, on some of that stuff if they have uh, their own notes. Unfortunately, I haven't made a lot on this, but I just think it's damn funky. It's like, I, you know, you can just picture the revolution playing this, and I, I've got this this um, rather disturbing image of them all dressed up in trashy 80s clothing, which they probably thought <laughs> absolutely brilliant at the time, on, you know, in some some rocking boat in the French Riviera playing to seniors or something. I don't know. I've got... It, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't quite all add up, does it? It's just this weird image that I've had about this song um, since the first time I ever heard it. And the real... And I believe it is Wendy playing the, the rhythm on this. You never know, though. But it, it does sound distinctly more like Wendy than Prince to me. And the reason I say that is that there's a... There's a, I can hear this kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's in the strumming. Um, uh, yeah, of, they got a different uh, style. You can. Yeah, and she she yeah. she also sustains the the kind of like just the end bit of every chord, um, just slightly longer than than he tends to, and I, I think that might be her. And it makes the song kind of, I don't know. It's actually the song swings a little bit. It's almost. I don't know if you break it down, maybe someone can help me out. It it borderline kind oh. of slowed down, down tempo swing, um, funk. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's a great, it's a great, great song. Very interesting, um, very interesting arrangement because it's not, it, it's so dense, but I, I think it it actually is dynamically different in its arrangement from things like Girls and Boys. Or who's just straight up funk, or um, mountains, you know, like a lot. The the instruments they were using, the recording equipment, the 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 mixing was was probably similar. But this is this is arranged. Uh, can't put my finger on it. Maybe someone can help me out. Uh, player, you got thoughts on this? Yeah, I I agree. It it sounds exact like a like a revolution type song to me, and um, just the way the vocal is delivered, it sort of predates the whole Camille era just a little bit it's like this is kind of like the first inkling of where he started to screw around with his vocals and, and speed them up um, oh no 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 you, you'll get to that soon <laughs> oh yeah okay yep but um yeah he's just um it's just a really cool track and I like um the way that Wendy and Lisa do all the love of money refrains all the way through it so yeah it's really really cool he was bad he was fresh <laughs> That's just classic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just it's a mean hack. Okay. Okay. Um, is that about it? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll take some. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this isn't my favourite B-side. I remember really liking it the first few times I heard it. But um, maybe it's just my copy of the um, 12-inch, but it's really, like, mixed really badly or something. Maybe, again, maybe it's just my vinyl... It's kind of like there's just it's kind of a bit bassy. I don't know, again, maybe I'll have to do another transfer. But um, uh, my favourite part in this song is the baritone sax and the flute. Da dun 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 dun. Da dun 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 dun. Yeah, that's a cool Eric, <laughs> Eric Leeds. Leeds. Classic Eric Leeds line. Hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of similar to um, girls and boys in terms of 
again that little barry line and also the the sounds that they're using on the on the guitars and the keyboards there's that solo in the middle of it i i'll have to listen to it again i can't remember if it's a guitar or a, a, a like an, a guitar with an effect on it or a keyboard but it's got that similar sort of wah, 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 sort of sound to mm. it um interesting thing as well that when you listen to it on headphones it's got the kick in like completely on one side and the snare on completely on the other so yeah. it's like kick snare like reversing between the two the two sides oh, I didn't notice kind of that interesting and um to me it sounds like this and sexual suicide were recorded very close together because they, they to me they sound quite similar um uh, again yeah. just with the Eric Leeds horn stuff and the 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 punchy percussion um, throughout it but yeah I can see that yeah but I think um the only disappointing thing with this song is that it to me it doesn't really go anywhere it's like this really cool groove great mm. bass great you know baritone and and interesting uh, vocals and everything but it, it doesn't really go anywhere it's just this it's just this jam and you know after like three or four minutes of it I'm kind of I'm done with it kind of thing uh, and I think it goes for like almost seven minutes the full version so but yeah and, and it's a nice little ending as well to finish on love yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. No, it just finishes on the on the love. But yeah, it, it's really dense, and then it just stops on that love. It's it it, ca- it catches me every time. It just stops. Yeah, I don't know. Tojo mentioned that it doesn't really go anywhere, and I can see that your his point your point of view. But um, <clears throat> I think this is an example of where Prince and the band get a groove, and they just murder it, and it and that's. It doesn't need to go anywhere. So yeah, exactly. There. It's not. It's just there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there, the and we're gonna and do it, it to death. And I think if it went anywhere, it might lose its appeal, at least to me, because I think there's there might not be. I, I keep saying there's so much going on in it, or I, I, I made mention of that. It, it's maybe not so much that there's so much happening in it musically, but maybe it is the way that it's just arranged and things. Um, I didn't notice the thing about the kick and the snare in the in the headphones, but I guess there. The, the arrangements um, and they, I don't know the the rhythm guitar playing is is to me a, a little off kilter um, to the to the to Eric Leeds's playing and then the the drums are I mean I know I'm bringing up new 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 points here but the the drum the way the drums were tuned throughout that whole period yeah. to me makes it great to listen to but also slightly difficult to um to just capture exactly what's happening on the drums it's not a you know it's not a like a clean um everything on yeah i agree everything in that parade era there's some effect on the drums whether it's really dry or heaps of reverb there's always or sped up sped you know Mm. it's always something cool happening on the drums in Mm. that era yeah, and and it's sometimes it's just hard to pinpoint what it is, even though you might think it's funky or you might think it's you know cool to listen to. So this song has some of that. Um, yeah, I'm quite a big fan of this because like from a funk point of view, and that's what I mean. Like, hello is funky, but gotta stop messing about. Love you and me, called little girl, God, horny toad, horny pony. How come you don't call me anymore? Like the funk really revs up with this in erotic city. Like it gets into the rhythm, and there's not a lot of. There's not a lot of funky rhythm on on those other songs, so. I read somewhere that this that this track had like a a, a rhythm guitar 
like track through the whole thing, but then for whatever reason they just wiped it and started again. So uh, now let's go into the second last track of the night, and I'll hand it over to Player to lead us into some interesting territory. Very interesting. Mm. This song is, of course, how could we forget this track? <laughs> Erotic City. And the thing I love about this track is if no one's ever heard this track and you played it for somebody, they could get the impression that it was recorded that day or yesterday. Like, it sounds so fresh today and it was recorded, like, in, you know, 82, 83. And it just has that futuristic vibe about it and it's just relentless and it's just oozes funk everywhere and it has Sheila E on it. I mean, you can't really go wrong with it. Now, I've heard a lot of remixes and people um, doing, like, electro versions and stuff, and it pretty much sticks to... A lot of those versions stick to the original because the original, like, you can't really get any much better than it, so it's just a variation of the same thing, but mm. honestly, um, I mean, even George Clinton had to do a cover version. I mean, what does that tell you? So, <laughs> it's it's just awesome just such an awesome awesome song cool uh toe jam yeah this is up there is one of his funkiest thing he's ever done it's just so it's just so laid back it's laid back funk uh and to yeah. me the whole the whole song is it's just built around this the bass the drums and that keyboard hook and it's just so simple but it's so dirty as well at the same time just that don't 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 and then that keyboard comes over the top of it yeah and that hook as well it's just classic it's like it peeps up here I am right Uh, classic like simple as perfect hooks they just they work like harmony together it's awesome and um this is the song that I think kind of started the Camille thing this is the first one that he really went this funky pitched up vocal for but then he's also got the deep ones as well, the, the slow down Yeah, one. it's got a really deep one and slow a high down, one. Yeah. And his normal one. Um, I love the lyric in this, you're a sinner, I don't care, I just want your creamy pie. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, thighs. It's thighs. Did, what did oh, you yeah, say? Thighs. I thought it was creamy pies. I thought it was pies as well. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, either way. Either way. Um, it yeah, it sounds like Prince doing George Clinton, but <laughs> but out doing George, George Clinton, Clinton covered this. George Clinton recorded this. I've got it. It was on the PCU soundtrack. Mm. So I mean, George's George, version is exactly if George is covering like your song, you know it's a damn good funk song. Mm. Yeah, if but George, George didn't Clinton, change anything like like Alicia, like Alicia Keys, it's he the exact same it. track with his vocals. Yeah, exactly. And there's like four different versions or something on that. Yeah. And um, and I love the way that... And he's done this quite a bit, actually, especially in this era. The way he's got uh, Sheila E. in this case, or in other times, Wendy and Lisa, to sing the kind of chorus. Uh, yeah. If we cannot be babies. It's just such like, you know, he's kind of like the, yeah, I'm telling it dirty kind of thing. And then this little, if we cannot be babies, baby, we can <laughs> it's Classic, classic. Um, I'll pass it on, because I'm... I'm keen to finish this podcast so I can go and listen to this again. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll add a couple of things then, and I'll let, uh, then, then I'll let Captain close off on this one, but I'll just say I love, the, I love all the lyrics, and um, particularly the, um, 
all of my purple life. And the way he sings it, I just think it's so, so brilliant. Similar to some of the lines in um the song 1999. It's just so quintessential. Quintessential Prince. Yeah. Um, uh, it just sounds brilliant. This is a brilliant song live. Um, it's awesome as an opener to um the uh, Love Sexy Dortmund show. Mm. It's just unreal. And that bass... Dum- it's just thumping. It's awesome. So simple as well, but just lock, locks into the groove in the song. And this this song, there's a few things here. Now I'll be I'll be brief, but the drum programming is out of this world. I mean, what player said about? I think the reason that this is does sound even in 2010 like it hasn't aged a day is because he was so far ahead of his time, the way yep. that he put his beats together. And this is the yep. most brilliant example. Like, hip-hop producers and R&B producers and whatever kind of producer you are now, if you're making funky-ass beats and you don't recognize this as a pioneering track, there's something wrong with you. And in fact, this this just really blows most things out of the water as far as programming and production is concerned. And you think about it, this was done in 84, 26 years ago? This was done 26 years ago. Mm. And, and uh, like I love that. Template. I love that snare. The snare just kills me all the time. That <laughs> the way that has some you know, flange effect on it or something, but it's just like yeah, I agree. Every everything about the drum programming, you and it's this is so well mixed. Again, eighty four and B side etc. But you can pump this in in your cast area or wherever, and it just it's got a lot of kick and bite to it. It's snappy and it's funky and it's just a great. I mean, you can break this down. DJs spin it. People remake it. They remix it. They play it live. He's done it live. It is a filthy song. And I remember when uh, Outcast Alicia Keys inducted him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Big Boy had a, a, a few kind of. I, I thought I thought he kind of messed that up a bit to be to be true. Because he kept harping on about, oh, I don't know if he says funk or if he says, you know, the the F word in the song. I still I still think he said he says the F word. He said in in that in that induction speech, and it's obviously funk. He says funk, but the way he says it gives it just enough ambiguity so that it could be the other thing. I'm um, pretty sure he doesn't say funk. Yeah, I think the Sheila. Only reason, the, the only reason everyone says that it is it is funk is so it was allowed to be played on the radio. And the reason I got away with it is they said, oh, he's not actually saying the F word. He's saying funk. Yeah. And they go, oh, okay. So he got played a lot. Mm. I thought, I always thought there was a story that Sheila E. didn't want to sing the word. So she said funk, and then he says the actual word. Hmm. But I'll have to listen again. So it could be a mix of both, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I reckon they both say funk. On the headphones, it comes out pretty, it's slight, but I think it's funk. Um. Hmm. Yeah, we can we can funk until I love the, the dawn. I love mm. the lyrics. How how when he's thinking about the girl, it's not like he's thinking about her. It's like thoughts of you getting my eyes, just <laughs> like lines like that. It's just yeah. like so cool. And he's like he's combing his hair when he's thinking about her, you know. <laughs> and he's combing his hair, and he's like thoughts of you getting my eyes. Like that's such a cool line. That's brilliant, you know, isn't just, it? Yeah, it's just things like that that that. Like, I miss in Prince songs. Like, some of those elements, like, are missing today in some of his tracks. 
Hmm. But just like little things like that is really, really cool. The other thing about this song is its title. I mean, to title the song Erotic City... Oh, but you, don't forget the full title. Yeah, well, but, you know, the, the abbreviated, even in that form, is like... I don't know. You, you have it's to bring the heat. Title. You've got to bring it with the, with this song. I remember really pumping this... It's a, it's a jam. I used to pump this song up and still do. Just... Oh, man. Go, gonna, gonna listen... Um, going to listen to this definitely after the show um uh, we probably all will but um okay that, that that things got a bit funky towards the end of the show but we're going to close uh with a with me okay so we're, we're going to close with uh with captain's thoughts um tell us what you think about erotic city this you already said the word uh mc this song is just filthy it's filthy funk and uh, as far as I know, it's just him in the studio. He he did everything. You've just got Sheila E. With her singing debut on record, as far as I know. Mm. And, oh, I mean, it's just the simplest bass line you could think of. You've got the great little keyboard hook, the rhythm guitar, and the, the Lynn drum, and it all just locks, like, perfectly. It's unbelievable. It just locks in, and then it just kills you. But, I mean... The name of the song, Erotic City, that's such like a, a huge title. And MC, you said, yeah, you've got to have the song to live up to that title. Because that's such a mm. great title for a song. But it does. Yeah. You know what else is amazing about this track is how um, it was a B-side, but radio stations in the US like were playing that. Like That's pretty rare for like, a radio station yeah. to play... Yeah, to play B-sides, but it was just so popular. Everybody loved it. Everyone was requesting it. And so it got a lot, a lot of airplay. And, and this it's kind of like one of the um, club classics. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of like club classic, but also like y- this song appears on so many dance and, and um, hip- uh, yeah. R&B compilations. Like so many DJs use this song... Um, I've got like two or three. I've got like a, a breaks compilation, and I think Grandmaster Flash does a, a version. This is everyone uses it. It's ridiculous. Can you yeah. imagine as well, like back in the eighties, like going to see the Purple Rain movie, thinking, "Oh yeah, that was a really cool movie." Coming home, thinking, "Yeah, I'll buy that. Let's go crazy. That was a cool rock and song." And then you buy it, and then you flip it over, and you're just like, "Oh man, who is this guy?" Kind of. Thing. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's that's mind blowing, isn't it? Because it's like an amazing song, and it's not even in the movie. <laughs> it's not on the album, it's not, not in the movie. That's crazy. Mm. But player, player did mention something about like it's, it, there are things that are in this song that you kind of you miss in some of his later music, and I, I kind of almost am starting to feel the opposite effect to a degree, um, and I have I have done probably. 31 21 onwards like i think there are there are times where he still brings out this quirky badass prince funk and you can you know quote titles like 31 21 um black sweat um uh, i mean get on the boat is funky but probably not in the same realm but then you got things like dance for me and and uh you know chocolate box and all that kind of stuff so i think there's, there's there there are elements that that are still current in his music and he's obviously implementing them but yeah completely different songs um yeah I don't know what else to say about this song it's just a classic Prince 
punk track, and this they still play this at clubs now, and it just kills everyone. Hmm. Everyone's on the dance floor going crazy. It's like almost 30 years later. That's just crazy. Hmm. That you can still just stick it on, and that bass and that drums it will just kill you on the in a dance floor. It's scary. It's timeless. Hmm. Okay. All, All right. Done. Cool. Uh, well, let's head into the last track and the lucky me, lucky last with a song that I absolutely adore and it can only be uh, Another Lonely Christmas. Um, oh, silence fills the room. <laughs> <laughs> I am just going to wear this one on my sleeve, going to wear my heart on my sleeve here. Um, and just say that this is a really good song, a really good composition. It, I love the different directions it takes. Um, and, you know, I haven't even discussed anything about the song, really, and already I'm thinking about the ending. I think the ending, the coda to this song, is one of the greatest endings to any Prince track um, and I'll speak about that a little bit more later but um, the, the really personalised lyrics are, I think are, are really outstanding um, very vivid imagery and I, I, he must have been digging a lot of Joni Mitchell and uh, you know Joni Mitchell comes up all the time but there are plenty of other um, artists that uh, actually maybe not plenty but there are definitely a good number amount of uh, other artists that, that, that have great, you know, um, uh, lyrical descriptions of, of times and places and people. And, and this is a song that is inherently quite sad. Uh, it's quite melancholic. The, and the music suits that. But he, the delivery of his vocal, you know, considering that it's, it's quite a... It's, it's funny. It's a serious-themed song. Parts of it are a little bit kind of... Uh, borderline lame um, to a degree, I guess, uh, be, because this like play Pekino for money and all that kind of stuff. You know, remember when we used to something about swimming in a pool and all that kind of stuff. But I think that swim naked in your father's pool. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's audacious, but at the same time, it gives the song to me anyway. It gives it a, a very it puts it in a time and place. This song is really interesting because I think it's it, it actually also is a timeless song as well. But it, the, the ironic thing about it is that it's about a specific time and place and it's very nostalgic. So I, I don't know what that says for the song other than that <clears throat> I think it's brilliant the way he's done that. Um, but the, yeah, the, the thing about the thing that thing that really strikes it for me is the emotion in the vocal. I think it's one of the most emotional pieces of music he's ever recorded, ever. Um, whether or not it's taken as seriously as it should be by Prince fans or anyone else that's heard it is for them to say. But I, for one, can say that, you know, it touches the... it pulls on the heartstrings every time I hear it. Um, brilliant guitar, brilliant... Uh, he's got these little breaks towards the end and just the way that it moves from from you know point A to B and it just ends up in a place that is unresolved you know like the ending resolves itself on this I don't know what the note is but it it doesn't seem hopeful at all it's just melancholic throughout and um man 
all I can I'll just finish on there because when I think about that last note it kills me every time it is brilliance personified um, I'll take it away to uh, Toe Jam uh, I have to agree with you with the last the um, the coda it is a really amazing coda um, and I do like all the the sound of the song uh, in terms of it sounds like it's a classic revolution song recorded in that warehouse very spacey, very reverby, you know, the distorted guitars, very thick. Um, and I, I really like the, the the bass movement, the way the bass kind of almost walks slowly through all these different chords, and it's, you know, it's, it's quite mm-hmm. a complex composition. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the story of the song. To me, it just comes across a little bit melodramatic, a little bit over the top for me, uh, and a little bit almost <laughs> it's a bordering on song. cheesy. Yeah, it's a Prince song. Of yeah, I, it's going to be melodramatic. I, I agree with you, Tejem, as well. I think probably he he might may not have been at the level of maturity required, but yeah, yeah just knows. comes across a little bit cheesy, uh, and try almost like he's trying to do this massive dramatic sad song, but it just kind of it comes across as if he's trying a little bit too hard for me. This is my opinion. Um, but you know, I, like I said, all, I love all the musical elements in this song and the performance of it. Uh, and you know, and again, the vocals once again are quite spectacular in terms of his, what he's doing. Um, but I don't hold it as high as a lot of. This is funny, a funny song actually. I've noticed throughout the years, you either really love this song, or you kind of feel a bit like I do, where you think, ah, oh, it's just it just falls short for me to being a really classic Prince song. But um, you know, it's got that classic Purple Rain sound to it, and uh, you know kind of shows again that you know everything he touched in this in this period even if it's not the strongest song it does have that unique feel to it where you hear it and it and it just it reminds you of that purple rain imagery that sound and you know the purple smoke and first avenue and all this kind of um yeah that's my take on another lonely christmas not my favorite b-side but certainly not not a bad one all right uh captain are you are you, are you liking the song i am but i don't have a lot to say about it but I like it. This is this is another track. I think it could have been on an album. But I keep saying that. We keep saying that about yeah. half the songs. I mean, the B-sides are great, aren't they? But, um, I mean, he played this once, live. And, of course, it was on the day after Christmas. It was the 26th of December in the, on the Purple Rain tour. But, no, it's a, it's a good song. It's a, the full version's like six, six and a half minutes or something. And it's it's got that... It's got this reverby... Some there's something. It's just got this nostalgic feel. It's like a hazy song. I don't know how to describe it. There's just something about it. It makes you think, oh, that's a that, that's a song about something. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but that's what I think. It's a great song. Not as yeah, like Tojam said, it's it's a good song. It's not great. All right, uh, player. What are your What are your closing thoughts on this closing closing song of a B side? Uh, I have to agree with I have to agree with all you guys. It's 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 a pretty cool song, and it's something different to come from um, Prince, like to sing this sort of sad story song, and um, it just shows another side of Prince, and it's it's really cool just to have that some like something different from like his point of view and. Just like I agree with Toe Jam, like the sound of it is just very revolutionary and 
like revolution style and yeah it's just like a really awesome track and I agree with you MC with the the lyrics and and how it's um, how it's the story's like really sad and, and then at the end you've got the coda part and it finishes it all up it's really really cool mm. really really like it I'll just add to that um, another thing I forgot to mention is I think it really reaches the, the apex of, of of how brilliant it is to me is when he sings that line um and, and I love the line, another lonely Christmas is mine. I just, mm-hmm. it's so simple and so great. And it's a really great lyric, really great line. The words fit together, but the delivery is what kills me every time. When he, when he sings, um, another lonely Christmas is mine, Lord, mine, Lord, mine. Another lonely Christmas is mine. Like, he just really stretches those words. And every time he repeats it, the, it just becomes more and more intense until it finally breaks through and goes straight into the to the chorus again. Um, See, now this is a great vocal. Dynamics. This is an amazing vocal. This is a really. I mean, yeah. you compare this to Girl, and you can see what I'm saying. Like, it's not just how he sings; it's like the intensity behind it. He was feeling this song, even though it's mm. not. As far as we know, it's not a real thing. But well, I mean, the, the conviction... You get a sense the, there's a feeling behind it. There's a lot of conviction in those lines. I do think that it is dramatic and maybe a little bit theatrical in parts, but I think those specific lines that I just attempted to quote um, Suda Singh are, are just, you know, what they are. He's laying himself bare. Um, and as a listener, it's, it's very... Hmm, how do I put it? It it kind of it. He's allowing the listener to to feel that emotion fairly. Um, unse- it's, it's uncensored, really. Uh, I mean, he and he leaves that. It even kind of distorts a little bit from memory. Um, yeah. You know, it, might, it probably even clips to uh, towards the end of that song, but he leaves that in. I still can't believe how brilliant that coder is. <laughs> Just. I don't know whoever thought of that. Wow, is all I can say. You know, it's. Uh, it, I, I think a lot of the times, um, it, it's it's easy to be impressed by um, complexity, but it a lot of the times it's it, simplicity is very much um, underestimated, and and it's brilliant here. It's a great way to finish the song and a great way to finish the show of our B-Sides Part 2 episode. Another lonely episode. Here's mine, <laughs> Lord. My Lord. Another lonely episode is mine. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so any concluding thoughts? B-Sides uh, are pretty damn good. <laughs> Actually, just a general comment on the B-Sides. We kind of touched on it earlier a little bit. But the way that he has all these tracks lying around, and in a lot of the cases, they're not to the standard of the album tracks. But having said that, a lot of the time, they're, they're kind of looser. They're kind of a bit more experimental. They're kind of like the, you know, the, the, the odd, you know, the ones that didn't quite make it. And so for that reason, they, they often have a very unique sound. And I think songs like Another Lonely Christmas and um, Girl and I Love You and Me, like, it's kind of like they're these, like... Um, He's kind of like Frankenstein's that didn't quite make the, the final cut, but there's something in them that is quite mm. unique compared to the album tracks. Mm. Yeah, they're not like fully developed, but 
That's right. saying that there's something good about them not being fully developed. Perfectly. You said it much better than I was trying to. <laughs> but yeah, there, they're, there's... They're a bit they more, a they're a bit more demo-like. Charm about them, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, we, we do have a question. Uh, we have been receiving all sorts of questions, but we've just got to get through, get through them all. Um, and some of them are quite good, so we're going to have to have a think about it and really, you know, put some thought into it and come back to you guys with some... Um, uh, you know, thought about and and uh, interesting responses. So uh, we'll get to them eventually. We'll, we'll hope to answer at least one question. You know, going forward. So keep it up. But in the meantime, oh, keep sending them to us. Yeah. Yeah. Send your question to uh, Funky Temple Radio at Gmail dot com. Send us a question, written or MP3 audio. <laughs> up to you. If you want to be in the show, send audio. If you want to hear my lovely voice reading it, send a writing text. <laughs> uh, Captain lives at um. Uh, so interesting things could be coming up. I, I, I'm not. The more time passes by. Thank <laughs> you.